I don't know what I'm about to do, but it won't be that impactful, right? Because what, what Logan just did is he just, he did what anybody who's, who's going to encourage the body during this moment is supposed to do. He proclaimed the excellencies of God who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So if you're, if you're a person who's just sick of church, you just kind of go and you just kind of plug and play and work through an order of service and you leave and you're not really sure what happened. I'm so glad you're here today because you just heard why we're here today, which is to declare the goodness of God and his power. Can I just pray for you and then I'll, I'll go? Man, thank you, Logan. Father, thank you for my brother. Thank you that the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that his purposes were thwarted in Logan's life. But we know, Lord, that same enemy that came after him after he trusted Christ as a young college student, and didn't want him to be fruitful and useful to you, he's not done. And in fact, as Logan shares more of what he just did today, as he lives a life that is consistent with your will for a man, we know that same enemy is going to come after him. I thank you for the wisdom of what he just shared. That some of those ways that his body has been trained to escape will always be alive to him, but I pray that he is a person who abstains from fleshly lusts which wage war against his soul. That he's not angry about the story that you put him in, but he would use his story the way you did today to show the power of Jesus. That greater is Christ who is in him than uh, the enemy who's in this world. But Father, we know the enemy wants to destroy Logan and destroy others who have not yet experienced what Logan did. We know there's people in this room that are still experiencing night terror, sleeplessness, and bondage to sin. And I pray that today they would have heard about Jesus and that he is still alive and still doing miracles. And I pray they would find Logan and say, tell me about your Jesus. I pray they'd find other believers here with stories just as filled with miracle and grace as Logan's. And they wouldn't just leave outpost today, but that beginning and that journey of hope and power would start in their life. We thank you that today... Christ was lifted up. We thank you that today Logan was used by you. Would you protect him till 11.30 and then again till 12.30 and then again till 1.30 and then tonight when he lays his head down? Father, make this man powerful and impactful for your kingdom. We thank you for the way you used him in our lives today. Bless Logan in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, man. All right, I'll give that back to you, okay? All right, thank you. Well, church, uh, we're so glad you're here. I don't know uh, how many of you guys are, are, are guests and you visit Outpost. I, I don't usually get to be here, but I am so thankful that God let me be here today um, to be encouraged already with just the, the, the songs that we sang and the corporate prayer that we had and, um, and, and certainly that testimony of the fact that Jesus is alive. I, I am not a religious person. Uh, I did not want to be in the ministry because I had been around religious people. Religion doesn't have power. Religion condemns. Religion is basically the law which says if you do good enough long enough, you can make your way to God. And I knew that I couldn't do good enough long enough to make my way to God. The Bible does not teach religion. I didn't know that. 
because I grew up around religious people who used the Bible to teach religion. The Bible tells a story of rescue. This is not a rule book that tells us how we should live. This is a, a, a message of God working in human history to, to come down into history and to rescue us from our trying to do what seems right to us, but in a way that ends in death. And this is a story of God working in real lives, in real people, to do a real rescue, to bring us back into relationship with him so we can move away from the one whose entire job is to lie and to steal and to kill and destroy. And when I understood for the first time that the Bible was not a rule book, but the Bible was a message of God's love for me and his effort to seek me and find me and make provision for my sin, as Logan just testified, and then allow me, a sinner, to come back into the presence of God through the finished work that Jesus had accomplished, it allowed me to see God, not for somebody that I had to be impressed, but somebody who I just had to respond to and love and accept his gift, and in receiving that gift, then to walk in the restored relationship which he gave me. And that pulled me out of the same kind of craziness that it pulled Logan out of. And so I think sometimes you look at guys who stand up here and you just assume they were raised by Billy Graham and, you know, uh, ate goldfish and did, you know, uh, Sunday school lessons their whole life. I, I will tell you the best of us, that's not our story. Our story is that we were madmen that ran into Jesus. And we have found out who he is and we want to do nothing more than spend the rest of our life just telling other people, come and see. Come and check out my friend. I don't need anything from you. I'm not selling. I don't even need you to agree with me. I just love you because God loves me, and I want you to know what I know. And I pray that you see enough of him in my life that you might be convinced that, in fact, he is alive. So that's a good segue. As you can tell, behind me we are here at Outpost studying this book called Colossians, which means nothing to us. Um, it could just as well be named Cody. All right, Colossae is a city, it happens to be in modern-day Turkey, where a bunch of folks uh, lived that a guy like Logan showed up in, spent some time with them, told them what Logan just told us, and a bunch of them believed. And then what happened is they started to gather together, and when they started to gather together and be useful is some people came along and, and started to deceive them and drag them back into religion. And the guy, Logan, that had visited them, and it wasn't even Paul. Paul had never been to Coloss. Um, he tells us who had some other friend that had met Christ through Paul that went up to Coloss and, 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 and told the people there about Jesus. Paul then, because he cared for them, because they were his brothers and sisters in Christ, wrote him a letter saying, hang on, and what you're doing matters. Because... You know, now Paphroditus isn't there anymore, but you're there. And I, I want to tell you, I asked Logan if he would just keep his, his testimony up here for me that I could refer to it the rest of my time today. <laughs> it was just amazing. And so there was that uh, one little story in here where he talked about um, this. Watch this. C can you imagine? Let me just say this before I read this little part of Logan's story. Can you imagine if Jesus... The Jesus of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was alive and hanging out in Cody today. And you knew guys that are still where Logan was. Logan, how many years ago? Where, where are you at, bro? Where'd you go? Okay. How many years ago was that, that you, that you met Christ? When, you, you said you were at Cheyenne. Where were you at, at college? Okay. So 10 years ago. All right? So 10 years ago, you knew Logan and, and, and the story that he described being brought up the way that he was brought up. 
And, and here was Jesus, I mean, the visible image of the invisible God, the fullness of God dwelling in bodily form. This miracle of miracles, this miracle worker, right, who'd done all the things you've read in the gospel, you knew him and had a relationship with him, and you met Logan. What would you do? I think what you would do is you would say, Logan, you, come here. Okay, I was just like you, but I met him, who? And, and you're going to say, well, I, this guy's a rabbi. That's what Jesus was. He was a rabbi, which is just a fancy Hebrew word for teacher. Right? And so I want you to think about this. The people in Cody who meet you today, whose lives are like Logan, and you say, hey, I want you to come to church, they're going to hear, oh, go to church with you? The same way that you would have heard back in the time of, of, of Jesus, I want you to meet a rabbi. Like, no, I've been to church, dude. I've, been, I've met rabbis. The last thing I need is another rabbi. The last thing I need is another church service. Right? Church services don't change lives. Rabbis don't change lives. Jesus changes lives. Okay? And, and this is why in, in Colossians chapter 1, Paul said this. Listen, I'm praying for you that you would walk worthy of the calling with which you've been called because Christ in you is the hope of glory. Now, Logan's testimony. This is what he said. This is after he met Christ, but he wasn't growing. He wasn't in relationship with other people. He had been around you know, some churchy stuff, but, but he was still sliding back into bondage. That can happen to people who really know Jesus. And the only way that you will not slide back into that, even when you, the first thing you got to do is you got to know Jesus, okay? And the second thing you got to do is learn to hang with Jesus. You got to be with him. You just can't know the story. You've got to know and walk with him. Now watch, Logan said, I, I was back into my cycle of, of escaping through fantasy I was back in the cycle of self-harm. I was back in the cycle of suicidal tendencies because at this point, having had a relationship with Christ, he is reconciled to God. He is, he is saved, okay? But he is now, for the first time, a real threat to the one who hates people and hates God and hates Logan. And so he wasn't done with Logan. He just had to keep Logan ineffective. He wanted Logan to not be here on June 5th, 2022 for you. Because that threatens him. Church does not threaten Satan. And I say church, forgive me, when I say church, I, I, I hear what most people in first century Middle Eastern context heard when they heard rabbi. Okay? Guy's gone through the motions. And if you've got it, when you hear church, if you think a vibrant group of grace-filled, forgiving, Logan people, then, then, then you, should, you should be attracted to it. When I hear church, I think of envelopes that they want you to fill out and send in, all right? I think of felt boards. I think of, you know, saltine crackers, all right? I think of guilt and shame. I think of inauthenticity. Okay, so forgive me. That was my experience when I heard church. If you think of what Logan just did as church, then love it. In the same way, when you think of Jesus, when you think of rabbi, then love rabbis. Logan was pulled out of commission, and then watch this, in God's providence, exactly one year ago today, June 5th, 2021, this brother 
was in Cody, about to end his life and not be useful to the master. And then I woke up, and Tony and John Paul said, we love you, and we're here for you. Okay, if you ever wondered what this book is, it's a history book. That's what it is. It's an eyewitness account of what happened when Jesus lived. And you watch Jesus walk up to women caught in the act of adultery. You watch Jesus walk up to people who are marred by sin. They're lame. They're lepers. You watch people walk up to grieving mothers who are by tombs. And Jesus walks up. And you know what Jesus says to them? I love you. And I'm here for you. And I could do something about it. And so Tony and John Paul, one year ago, followers of Christ, they said, they go, we love you and we're here for you. Now, back to the gospel of Logan. I was too sleep deprived to really remember exactly what they were saying. But all I knew is that they kidnapped me, they grabbed me, they compelled me to come be around followers of Christ at Outpost, where I was met with the love of Christ and the community of Christ's people. And it was something I've never experienced before in my life. Watch this. Within days, my sleep was restored. My nightmares had ceased. The suicidal thoughts vanished. The hallucinations gone my faith restored. Does that not sound like something out of Matthew? Okay, here's why. Because when Christians walk with Jesus, he lets us do exactly what he did. And it changes Colossus, it changes Turkey, it changes Cody, it changes Wyoming, it changes the world. You don't go to church, you are the church, and it's why Paul wrote this letter. So let's turn to the book of Codians, all right? Go to Codians chapter 1. It's called Coloss in your Bible. Check it out, all right? Open up to, to Codians chapter 1. Man, this is so good. All right, Greg, I'm, I, there's no watt, clock in here. I, I do not get tired, and I have no sense of time when I do this. So don't blame me for going long. Make eye contact with him till he sees, and wave, and I'll stop, all right? I just warned you up front. All right, here we go. Colossians 1. I'm starting Colossians 1 because you got to understand why this text is here in Colossians 4. We're in chapter 4. I'm just picking up where you guys left off, and, um, and, and, and Greg said, I want you to teach chapter 4, 2 through 6. By the way, chapter 4, 2 through 6 is not teaching what you think it's teaching. All right, it, it, because you think it's a section on prayer, and, and you're going to feel guilty because it starts with this: devote yourself to prayer, and you're like, oh crap. If there's anything I'm not really good at, it's it's having what I would say is devoted prayer life. Okay, and so you think that you're going to go like, God, here I am again, like I knew it, like here comes the guilt and shame. If I was really a better Christian, I'd spend more time on my knees in my prayer closet, going through my prayer list. And I'm going to tell you that might be true, but that's not what Colossians four two and six is about. All right. When you hear devote yourself to prayer, 
don't think it means the activity of prayer. And by that activity, what I mean is what we typically call prayer, which is on our knees, eyes closed, head bowed. Being on our knees, eyes closed, head bowed. By the way, the reason we, does anybody know why we close our eyes when we pray? There's nowhere in the Bible to tell us to close our eyes when we pray. But the reason we typically do it is because we're really trying to focus on the Father, okay? And so when our eyes are open, we're, we're attracted by movement, we're attracted by beauty, we're attracted, we're easily distracted. So sometimes we close our mind, okay? But, and, and, our, and our mind sometimes focuses better when it's not seeing a lot of different images that are going around. But nowhere in the Bible does it tell you that you close your eyes when you pray, okay? Or even that you're physically on your knees, but what prayer really is, okay, prayer is an opportunity for us, and this is why the Bible says this, pray at all times in the Spirit. It says, pray without ceasing. So we know whatever it means, it must not mean on your knees, eyes closed, in your prayer closet, because you'd starve to death, the field would be overgrown with weeds, your wife would leave you, and your kids would die. <laughs> and you go, well, I'm just doing what the Bible says. No, you're not if you're on your knees in your closet with your head bowed. And again, I recommend that you find times of solitude, okay? So wise men seek solitude. Fools isolate. So you do need to have moments when you're alone, just like Jesus was, with the Father seeking him. But when you're alone with the Father seeking him, let me encourage you, reading your Bible to yourself out loud, stopping, talking to yourself about what you just read, telling God why you're confused, asking him to enlighten you to what you just read, that's the best kind of prayer. It's okay to say, I pray for Aunt Grable, I pray for the crops, I pray for the rain, Lord, I pray that the cow that we've lost that we find, I pray that I pass the test. It's okay to do all that stuff if you want. Just get done with that quick as you can. All right? And then, and then go to what I really think we're going to find in Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6 is talking about, which is, Lord, I need you. I will not be able to care for the Logans of today in Cody unless I am abiding with you, decreasing that Christ might increase in me, and that the love of Jesus for me is the love of Jesus for whoever I meet today. I need your help. I need you to control my tongue. I need you to control my temper. I need you to control... My mind, I need you to control everything I do. Less of me, more of you. All day long. That's why I prayed for Logan, right? You know, he'll be with us, and we're going to fill our minds with God's word right now at 1030 a little bit. But when at 1130, y'all pray for Logan. At 1230, pray for Logan. Logan, you better be praying with Jesus between 1130 and 1230, just constantly reminding yourself of what is true, because I promise you the enemy is going to constantly be trying to pull you off, setting your mind on the things above. So watch this. Colossians 1. It's why Paul, when he was praying for the Codians, he just said this. In verse 3, watch this. We give thanks to God. I want, I want you guys to know, I've never been here before. It's my first time to Cody. And I have prayed for you. I've prayed for this body. I've prayed for individuals in this body because of my relationship with some friends that are here. In the same way that Paul had never been to Colossae, okay, but his friend Epaphroditus had, and so he had prayed. He said, ever since I heard, verse 3, chapter 1, um, I have prayed for you. So you have been on that list of on my knees, head bowed, eyes closed, of God, do this in Cody. Allow the people in Cody to, to, to know Jesus and to have the hope of Christ so powerfully at work in them that it affects Logan, all the Logans in Cody, all the tourists coming to Cody this summer. 
May, may Christ followers be there so that they can meet you through them. So Paul had never been to Colossae. Jesus had never been to Colossae, but a follower of Jesus had been. Watch, Paul said, verse 3, we give thanks to God, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ and the love which you have, just like you heard from Tony and John Paul, we're here for you and we love you. Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. You heard the gospel. You realize this world's not your home. You realize you're here for a purpose. And you're going to be about that purpose. And so he goes on and watch this. In verse 9 he says, Since the day we heard of your faith, we've not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you might be. Now watch these things. Filled with the knowledge of his will. So guys, one of the reasons we gather together is that today we would be reminded what the will of God is in our life. And the will of God in our life is not that we should pursue peace and affluence. The will of God for our life is not that we just don't do bad things. The will of God for our life is that we would be Logan, Tony, and John Paul to, to all the Tonys and John Pauls and Logans and Todds that don't know the rabbi yet. That's God's will for us. Okay, now we, we, we're going to find out we, we still got to do our jobs, and when we do our jobs, we do them heartily unto the Lord and not unto men, because that's the way we worship God. Christ followers ought to be the best farmers, the best ranchers. They ought to be the best electricians, the best construction people. They ought to be the best waiters, the best waitresses, the best customers in Cody. So the people go, explain to me the quality of your work. And you go, let me tell you about the quality of my God. And I believe that excellence honors him and will make you curious about him. So that's why I do my work the way I do, even when you're not looking. Excuse me? And you're off and running. That you would have the knowledge of his will. Watch this that you would have all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. The more you know about Jesus, the more you can follow him and emulate him. Strengthen with all power. This is now getting to, Paul's gonna fill in a lot of stuff between chapter one, verses nine through 12, and chapter four, verses two through six, but you're gonna find out that that's what he's after. Watch this, he says, that you'd be strengthened with all power. That's what's going to let you overcome the evil that's in you and in the world. According to his glorious might for the attaining, that you might be steadfast and patient, waiting for the day when you're away from sin. And you'll joyously give thanks to the Father who's qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. In other words, that we would be about it until it's time to no longer be about it, so when we would be home, we would get to lay our good works down at the feet of our Lord as an offer of love, knowing that he's not looking for us to give him anything. It's just going to be our privilege. We're not religious people trying to earn our way into God's favor. We are, we're not performance-based acceptance people. We have been accepted, and so it pleases us to live and perform for him. So others can know Jesus, and so the power of God, which saves Logans and women caught in the act of adultery, can work in us to save, today, women caught in the act of adultery in Logans. Are y'all with me? That's what God wants to do with you this week. So we gather together to remind ourselves of this. So real quick, look, look at Paul in verse 24 of chapter 1. This is what I do, by the way, when I, I'm coming to teach Colossians 4, 2 through 6. I start in chapter one. 
But, but just, just stick with me. Watch this. Look at verse 24. Paul, he says, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. I don't know what you did this week that, that, that was extra, that was more than, um, well, you know, like, for instance, let's just say that you are a ranch hand and your owners live in Texas where I'm from, and they have no idea whether you did your job or not. That you stayed out there longer in the field and diverted, you know, um, the, uh, help me, Greg, what did I just say when we're, when we're uh, moving water? The irrigation channel, geez, all right? I diverted the irrigation channel. I didn't just do it kind. I didn't do it, you know, sloppily. I did it right. I stayed out there longer. I suffered wise so that when you, when people would come, well, that's the best kept ranch in all of, of Cody. I did it so that you would know that, that what you've got working for you is a follower of God, and so you can sleep well. Some of you guys uh, stayed up late comforting a friend. Some of you guys didn't just cook a meal to feed your own belly. You cooked another meal because you knew somebody needed it. Some of you guys decided not to go on the vacation you would have gone to because you took some of that money and cared for somebody who couldn't even live in their own town. And Paul says, I rejoice that I could do that so something in the way that I did that would make you know about Jesus because I lived for Jesus. So Paul says, I rejoice that I suffered for you. Watch this. Uh, I do my part in, in, in uh, sharing the sufferings on his body, which is the church, and filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Christ, what it means there is that Christ, he, he, he suffered all the ways that he needed to. He died on the cross so that we could be reconciled to God, so the wrath of a perfect and holy God could be perfectly satisfied because there was a perfect sacrifice, an eternal God died on the cross to appease an eternal God who's not going to just wink at sin but is going to pay for sin so that our debt could be paid God made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, for your sake, though he was rich, became poor so that you in your poverty could become rich. Okay? And, but, but here's the thing. Logan wasn't there to watch Christ suffer. He wasn't there during the incarnation. So Tony and John Paul... The last thing they needed was another thing. But a year ago, they decided to go kidnap Logan. And Logan didn't have to come, but they decided to go to his house to take longer to get to church, to pay attention to his story, to knock on his door, and to say, I love you, and I'm here for you. And it's part of my affliction to make you know that you matter. Can you imagine if your name was Tony or John Paul and you were in that story? Can you imagine if your name was Epaphroditus or the Apostle Paul and you changed Turkey? Well, you can be and you're supposed to be. Look at verse 25. Of this church, I was made a minister. Of this church, you are the ministers. Greg is not the minister here. He is a pastor. The job of a pastor is to equip the ministers for the work of service. If you're coming here to evaluate his ministry, you're not paying attention to what pastors are supposed to do. And you guys got to stop paying people to have the privilege of ripping you off of doing what it is that God's called you to do. 
and you judge your pastor by saying, is that brother making me better at what I'm here to do? Is, he, is that Paul making me an Epaphroditus? Because one day I'm going to stand before my king, and he's going to recompense me according to my works, and I'm either going to waste my works on more comfort and more affluence, or I'm going to spend my life doing things that when I stand before him, he's going to say, my goodness, you didn't need to do this for me. You were already saved, but well done, good and faithful servant. And I don't want to stand up before the one who saved me empty-handed. So watch. Of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me in 2022 of June for the benefit that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. That's a verse for you. Verse 26, that is the mystery which has been hidden from ages past and generations, but now has been manifested to his saints that God, through the law and the prophets, talked about sacrifice and sin and a need for a perfect provision to come. Now that perfect provision has come in the person of Jesus who died on the cross and was raised from the dead as evidence of the power of God working through him to do what God said he's going to do so people who are far from God can be brought back into relationship with God so they wouldn't have night terrors, get lost in fantasy worlds, and want to kill themselves. That's you. Watch this. God willed to make known the riches of his glory, this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, that sets up. I, I'm going to go to Colossians 4 now. Okay? So watch. Now, now in Colossians chapter 1 and 2, he's just setting up the theological framework that allows him in chapter 3 to say, you guys have come to believe who Jesus is. And so chapter 3 and 4, and Paul always does this, he gets the, the belief set out there, and now he says, this is how you behave if this is what you believe, okay? This is the doctrine that you guys embrace. This is what you do because this is what you believe. Are y'all with me? And so chapter 3 of Colossians, and almost all of Paul's books are broken up like this. He first lays the framework, this is who we are, so this is what we do, okay? And by the way, let me just say this. The truest you is who you're going to eventually be. All right? And if you're a Christian, who you're eventually going to be is a person who lives with God forever and gives him glory and enjoys him forever. That's the truest you. And I know this week, if you're like me, you've lusted. If you're like me, you've been angry. If, you've been lazy. You've been selfish. Right? That's not the truest me. And I've got to, I go, how can I be less of the truest me this week? The answer is in Colossians chapter 4, 2 through 6. All right? How can I be who I'm going to eventually be? Somebody who enjoys God, who is free from sin, who praises his name forever. How many of y'all are interested in knowing how you can do that? Okay? Colossians 4. Devote yourself to prayer. In other words, you don't have any hope of, of being a person who lives the Christian life Unless you walk with and abide with Jesus all the time. So the word abide, one of those words that's kind of out there, we hear a lot, but it's tough. It's a word that basically means remain. That's all the word abide means. It means remain. 
So when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, he who abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So if it discourages you that you, at times, do stupid things, it shouldn't discourage you because at times, you don't set your mind on the things above. At times, you don't think about Jesus. Sometimes you think about you. And when you think about you, you do things that you do. But you have been bought with a price. You're no longer your own, but you are slaves of the God who has redeemed you and loved you and bought you. And so we just need to constantly be reminded. That's why it says, encourage each other day after day, as long as it's called today, so you're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, the deceitfulness of self. So the idea that where it says devote yourself to prayer, it, the, the, the equivalency of this is Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, he is, is it 24? It's Jesus when he's in Gethsemane. And uh, he is wanting to kind of do um, son of Mary, son of Joseph, Jesus things. But Jesus isn't just son of Mary, son of Joseph. Joseph, Jesus is the son of God. He's the perfect man. And so even though he was son of God, son of Mary, I mean, it could be son of Mary, son of Joseph, just like you and me are sons of humans, uh, he had to go, I'm not going to give in to my flesh. I'm not going to give in to my uh, desire to protect myself. I'm going to live according to the will of God. Because he, he you know, the uh, theologians talk about, this is called, uh, just a, a phrase you don't ever need to remember. It's called the hypostatic union, all right? And what that basically means is Jesus never stopped being God. He was God from, the, uh, from eternity past. God reveals himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so Jesus always existed. But what he did through the incarnation is he added to his divine nature humanity. He took on humanity. And what he did, the Bible tells us, is that even though he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality a thing to be grasped, okay, um, held on to. In other words, he laid aside his deity. He never stopped being God, but he didn't act like God. He acted like a man who's only going to be the kind of man you can be is if you trust in the Father. And so Jesus, who was God, and because he was God, he, he could not sin. And because he was a man, he could be tempted to sin. But he did what he should always do, which is to trust the Father. And so because Jesus always trusted the Father, you watch this man do the things that you go, no other man has ever done this. And because he didn't sin, he could pay a debt he did not have, which means you who have a debt you could not pay could be forgiven. And so Jesus is in Gethsemane, and he knows he's about to bear the sins of the world, and he doesn't want to do it. And so he goes to his buddies, Peter, James, and John, and he says, hey, remain, watch this, watchful and awake. I've got to be watchful and awake. I've got to remind myself, not be asleep. I've got to remind myself what is true. What's true? God is good. He makes no mistakes, and I'm going to trust him. And he has told me to go to the garden. He has told me that I'm going to go to a cross. And he is going to do something glorious on that cross. He, he, he said, I'm going to be resurrected, but you still got to go through that crucifixion and that humiliation. And he said, I'm going to trust God. This doesn't look like it makes sense, but it doesn't matter. And he told his buddies, will you pray for me that I do what doesn't look like it makes sense? His buddies slept, Jesus stayed awake. His buddies 
didn't do what God wanted him to do. Jesus was able to. Why? Because he devoted himself to prayer. Think about that. He was on the alert. He was, awake. he was awake to what is true. He wasn't asleep. He wasn't in some fantasy world. He lived in the reality of what is really true. And what is really true is God is there and he is good. And this world that we're in is a world that's spun out of control because of sin. And God has not destroyed the world because he's patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And so he has saved some people out of darkness into his marvelous light so they could tell other people about the goodness of God. And the power of God would be made manifest through them so that Logan could go, Tony and John Paul, your life doesn't look like mine. Why? Answer, Jesus. All right, I'll consider Jesus again. And then you watch Logan's life change because Jesus. But Logan, like Todd, like Jesus in the garden, is still prone to wonder if we don't say, not my will, your will be done. So how do you handle that? Be devoted to prayer. Now, we'll have some fun here, okay? I'm going to pick up the pace. Watch this. So this is stay alert continually in an attitude of thanksgiving. Father, thank you that I'm in Cody, June 5th, 2022. So when I go to lunch, my waitress is going to meet somebody who knows you. I'm about to be an Epaphroditus today somewhere in Cody. Somebody's going to meet me. Some Logan is going to meet Tony and John Paul, June 5th, 2022, when you go out of here. Thank you that my life matters today. Paul says, now he kind of gets selfish. He says, now look, pray for me as well. Pray that God, now watch this. Does anybody know where Paul was when he wrote this book? Say again. He's in prison. He's in Rome in, in, in a maritime prison, which means he was underground, okay, with a, like a manhole cover pulled over him, chained to a guard, all right? And, and, and he doesn't say, would you pray that I get sprung would you pray that Johnny's bail bonds, you know, comes up with the cash I need to get out of here? Would you pray that I get better food, that somebody brings me, a, you know, some Tabasco to put on this terrible food that I've got? Would you pray the rats don't chew for me? Paul doesn't pray for that. Because Paul's already been sprung from jails. He knows the second God wants to have to be an earthquake and, the, and, and, and for him to be sprung, he'll be sprung. What Paul says, I'm here right now. In this dysfunctional home, in this dead-end job, in this marriage that is one that kind of lost its zing. And I'm not asking for people to, to, to pray that my circumstances change. Would you pray that I am faithful in my circumstance? And by the way, because Paul was faithful in a circumstance, he wrote Colossians, he wrote Ephesians, he wrote Philemon, okay? He wrote Philippians. He ministered to people that were part of Caesar's household. And so Paul said, would you just pray for me that, that God will open up a door to us for the word? That's all I want. So it's okay to say, hey, pray for me, I'm sick. Hey, pray for me, uh, you know, things are hard. But what you want to say is, would you pray that right now, today, in what God's given me, that I be his man, his woman, so that Jesus would become more famous? Because I live for the word of God to go forth. Is that how you live? Is that what you live? Or you go, God, please bring more comfort into my life. See, prayer, one guy said this a long time ago, prayer is not us petitioning God to overcome his reluctance to do for us what we want him to do. 
Because sometimes we do that. We're like, God, I know you. I know you can. Would you please? Prayer is not, is not us trying to overcome God's reluctance. Prayer is something that we do to, to lay hold of his willingness. God, you're willing to use me even in this, even in this wheelchair. God, you're willing to use me even in this, this marriage where I'm abandoned. God, you're willing to use me even though I've been addicted in my past life. To God, you're willing to use me even though I'm... And the answer is yes. And then you okay, God. So what kind of person does God use? God uses the kind of person that remains with Jesus... And so, look, what would you do if, if you, if Jesus, if I told you Jesus was going to be hanging around in Cody for the next couple of weeks, you would probably go, I'm going to spend all the time with him I can, right? So, so here's what's great. Jesus said, when he was here, it's better for you that I leave, because if I leave, the Holy Spirit will come, the helper will come. The Spirit, which is in me, which causes me to not just be Mary's boy, but to be God's boy, God's man, is, it's, it's the Holy Spirit at work in me. And I'm going to give you a reconciled relationship to the Father, which is going to allow you to walk with the Father so you can have the Spirit in you, the Spirit of life, not the Spirit of death, so that you can think and live the way that people who know God think and live and speak and marry and work, and that's who I use. So that means you've got to, that's why it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. That's why it says uh, we speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, now watch, this is about to get really, really good, okay? I'm going to show you this, this section right here. He's saying that God will open a door so we might speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I've also been imprisoned, that, I may, that God would make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Let me just go back to Logan's testimony. He, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 8, he said this. He quoted from Deuteronomy 6. He said this. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. This is God telling the Jews, this is who you are. You're not better than the Gentiles. I just chose to work in you in a unique way so that all the nations that are worshiping gods that are no gods at all would re run into a people who know the real and living God, who have done amazing works through you, formerly were in bondage, you were servants, you were bricklayers, and you were oppressed, and I brought you out, and I've made you a different people, a prosperous people, that I feed, and that I water, and that I put in a place of promise, and you should declare to people, this is because we're better than you, it's because God's grace is at work in us, and he doesn't love Jews more than Gentiles, he loves you, and all we are is here to tell you, you should know our God, he's the one true God. So this is what Logan read. For you, and this is Moses to the Jews. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. Out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, you, Codians, it was not because you were more in number than the other people the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. One, because you had a building you met at the rec center. But it's because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath he swore to your fathers. That the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery. Now he says to them, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, all Pharaoh is is what's called a type. And I could say to you, he's brought you out of dominion to the lies of the ways of the world, the deceitfulness of sin, your flesh, and the devil. And he's brought you out from that bondage, Christian. 
Okay. So here's the gig. So now Paul says this. Watch. Verse 5. Paul said, pray that I would know how to speak. In other words, pray that I'm a person who studies God's word and speaks the way God wants Christians who know him to speak. And he's telling you, now you do the same. You conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsiders. You make the most of every opportunity. That's today. That's like in 15 minutes. That, that, that's, by the way, you better make sure the person already sitting next to you here. Because there's some Logans that made their way here without Tony's and John Paul's that are wondering if they can maybe find somebody here who's going to love them. And just go, I don't need to go find somebody in Cody who's lost. Will you go to lunch with me? Let me tell you about my Jesus. So watch. He says, let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you'll know how you should respond to each person. This is the key part of the text. What Paul's saying here is the most important part of your life, the the piece that's probably going to have, well, there's two parts to your life that are going to make or break the ministry of Jesus in Cody. It's your conduct. And sometimes, you know, and it's what you say. Right? Have you ever heard somebody say this to you? Um, um, your life is so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. You ever heard somebody say that to you? In other words, your character, your person doesn't match your profession. So I'm not interested in your Jesus. Okay? Your, your way and your walk don't mesh. That, that's, why, that, that's why I tell people all the time, you know, why do most people say they don't go to church? Hypocrites. Right? They don't live the way that they say that, that Jesus gives them the power to live. And by the way, it doesn't mean we're, not, we're supposed to be perfect because we're not perfect. Jesus is perfect. Okay? So, um, but what we do is when we, when, we, when we live contrary to the word of God, we confess, we forsake, we repent, we reconcile, we seek forgiveness, we restore relationship. We go, hey, that was not Jesus right there. That was totally Todd Wagner. There was no abiding that was just some me right there. All right, so last night, they took me to the Cody uh, Rodeo, and, um, you know, we're there, and the great theologian Cookie the Rodeo Clown, <laughs> Cookie the Rodeo Clown at one point, uh, you know, one cowboy went out with just a, with just a hat on, no helmet, and so the, the, the announcer just said, hey, that cowboy didn't have a, didn't have a you know, a helmet on. Why do you think that is? And, 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 and Cookie said, well, I'm not really sure why any of them wear a helmet. And the guy goes, well, why is that? You know why they wear a helmet. It, it, he goes, I'll tell you why. Because you wear a helmet to protect the skull. And, you, and you, wear, you, you have a skull to protect the brain. And these idiots already got brains to tell them to get on bulls, so I don't know why that brain's worth protecting. Okay? That's maybe one of Cookie's best lines of the night. All right? But here's the thing. What, 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 what the idea is, is if you've got a brain that works, you're supposed to live in a way that's not stupid. Okay, if you got a brain that works, because because you, your your mind's been changed. Okay, the words that come out shouldn't be stupid. They shouldn't be they shouldn't be uh, malicious, slanderous, anger filled. They should be seasoned with salt, as it were. Right now, he's not just saying you're supposed to be quick at tongue. Like, you know, like there's a kid who worked in a grocery store, and he was in this grocery store, and, he, and he's sitting there, and this lady walks up in the produce aisle and says, son, can I buy half a head of lettuce? And he goes, no, we, no, we, we sell heads of lettuce, you know? You know, before Biden was in office, it was 99 cents for a head of lettuce, all right? 
I know it's $4.99 now, but still, we don't sell a half a head of lettuce. Okay? And, and she goes, I've been shopping at this store for 25 years. My husband just died. I think you can sell me half a head of lettuce. He said, lady, we don't sell half a head of lettuce. She goes, I've been shopping here for 25 years. I'm a widow. I don't need a full head of lettuce. He goes, I'll go ask. So he walks up to the front of the store, and he goes to his manager. He said, look, there is some lame brain, half-wit lady who wants to buy half a head of lettuce. And, and, and his boss is sitting there looking at him like, and he turns around, he sees that lady standing there. And he goes, and this fine woman would like to buy the other half. <laughs> right? Quick a tongue. So a little bit later, the guy, his boss, says to him, hey, that was, that, was, that, was, that was the best recovery I've ever seen right there. You know, how'd you learn to do that? He said, well, I'm from Grand Rapids. He goes, there's nothing in Grand Rapids except hockey teams and ugly women. And the guy goes, hey, my wife is from Grand Rapids. <laughs> and he goes, well, what hockey team did she play for? <laughs> right? Okay, so look, all right, so, so the idea here, okay, is not to have that kind of tongue, because who wouldn't want that kind of tongue that bails you out of everything, right? The idea here is to have a tongue that doesn't need to be bailed out because you've been bailed out of sin and animosity and hatred and vitriol and self-love. And so your tongue Okay, so going back to Cookie the Rodeo Clown, the theologian, right? These guys got problems with their head, and that's why they're on bulls. Go back to Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Christ is the head of the body. And so if Christ is the head of your body, your tongue ought to be changed. And all Paul's doing in the application section right here is, you want to know why the gospel's not going forward in Colossus? Because you're not doing what Epaphroditus did. Your conduct isn't holy, and your words are not seasoned with salt, as it were. And so it's, God can't use you. And so you go, okay, so we'll get, how in the world, God, I want my life to be better, and I want my tongue to, to be more filled with love. And so how does that happen? Somebody tell me. It's an the answer is in chapter 4, verse 2. How has how our life changed? How does God change our conduct and, and give us things that, that, that fills our heart with, with something that would transform us? What's the answer? Verse 2, devote self to prayer. Be on the alert. Your flesh. Can, can I just tell you guys something? When I first trusted Christ, I, 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 I thought it didn't take. All right? I was late in high school, and I thought it didn't take because... Um, when, I, when I woke up the next day after I trusted Christ, okay, you know, I was, um, I, was, I was at a Young Life camp. I was there with Cindy Gerber and Jill Carlton and Laura Perry. And I went to bed the day before. Every time I looked at Cindy Gerber and Jill Clayton and Laura Perry, you know, imagining what they would look like in a swimsuit. And then when I saw them in a swimsuit, imagine what they looked like without one. And the next day I woke up having genuinely, I think, having faith in Christ, and I saw them at breakfast, and I imagined what they looked like in a swimsuit. And then some guy said something to me that kind of hurt me pridefully, and so I snapped back at him, right? And then a little bit later I found myself, and I go, oh, gosh, it, did, it didn't take. I'm still, I'm still, you know, prideful. I'm still lustful. And so I go, I, I guess I, you know, because the Bible, one of the very first verses that I had, I had heard about was this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, which says this, if any man is in Christ... He's a new creature. The old is gone. Behold, new things have come. And I go, well, the new things aren't here because I'm still angry and lustful and prideful and selfish. So I must not have become a Christian. 
So I, 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 you know, prayed again the next night. Jill Carlton, Cindy Gerber, and Laura Perry. Scott Brogan, David Watson, all those knuckleheads still there, still in sight in my flesh. I'm like, all right, third time, I got to figure out. How to. And finally, somebody came along and said, what do you, how, what, why do you keep you know, asking to receive Christ? I go, because I still, I still am prone to wonder. I still want to sin. They go, dude, the Bible, listen, this is so important. The Bible has no, Logan, you need to know this. When the Bible, when, when, when Satan tells you, hey, life is hard right now, it's hard to have a good relationship right now, you, you know, you just escape over to this fantasy world where you can always be the hero. The girl always desires you. She always wants you. Come live over here for a moment. That's never going to leave you. Right? When somebody hurts your feelings, right, you're going to want to hurt yourself. That's never going to leave you. I mean, God can make it leave you, but he, I just want you to know, he typically doesn't. The rest of your life, you're going to be tempted. You need to know something. Temptation is not sin. Christians are tempted. Martin Luther used to say, hey, I can't keep birds from flying around my head, but I can keep them from building a nest in my hair. So how do you think you keep birds that are always up there calling, saying, I'm going to land on your head, I'm going to peck you to death, and I'm going to tell you that you should be a lust bucket. I'm going to tell you you should be angry. I'm going to tell you you should be selfish. I'm going to tell you you should be self-loathing. You, you, you just got to go like this. It's, it's exhausting, right? To just to constantly devote yourself to say, no, I'm not going to think like that. I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Because my flesh, the Bible has no program for your flesh. And if you're here thinking if you go to church, your flesh will be less fleshly, you're not paying attention to Scripture. What Scripture says is that you should die to your flesh. Okay, and dying is hard work. By the way, you know, we all talk about our persecuted brothers and sisters over in different parts of the, of the world where they've got to make a decision that they're going to, um, are they going to profess Christ and die? Okay, or are they going to renounce Christ and get to live? I, I, I've, I've been with some of those folks in some of those lands, and they look at us, and we just say, man, we're so, we're so grateful for your faith. And they go, well, you're, well you're, you're proud of our faith? we got nothing but our faith to hold on to. We, we, we are at awe of your faith. You live in a free country. You know, you live in a land where you're, you're, you're prospering, and you guys in your prosperity are still seeking Jesus and still desiring to live for him, even though there's no obvious reason that you need him. That, that's a marvel to us. Can I just tell you something? I believe that right now, if somebody walked in this room and they said, Todd, do you believe in Jesus? And if you say you do, we're going to cut your head off. It would be easier for me to say I believe in Jesus than it would for them to say, okay, we're going to let you live and we're going to see if you can do it. Right? Because, because if I live, my flesh is going to constantly say, do that. Think this way. Go that direction. My world is going to say, hey, this is where life is. And the enemy is going to always be lying to me. And so how can I then live in Cody, June 5th, 2022, the way Jesus wants me to? Here's my answer. Devote myself to prayer. Don't walk with wicked people who encourage you. Don't stand, uh, uh, don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Don't stand in the path of sinners. Don't sit in the seat of a scoffer. Ah, there's no Jesus. Did you hear Logan's testimony? There's a Jesus. Okay? And then you just got to say, and I'm going to live for him. And even though my flesh doesn't want to, I'm going to watch my tongue. 
and I'm not going to say what I feel like saying because I am a servant of the king. And I am going to, if anyone wishes to follow after Jesus, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. I put myself under his authority, and I'm going to deny myself. So when you sit there and go, I'm a Christian, why do I want to sin? Because it's earth. And you're not home yet. But greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And you have everything pertaining to life and godliness. And so you don't walk with crazy people. You don't, you don't sit in the seat of a scoffer, but you fellowship with other people at Outpost. You, you, you speak with each other with words seasoned with salt. You encourage each other day after day. You remind each other who you are. You study Codians, and you go, this is who we are. We are Christ's provision right here in Cody. And God wants to change the world through Cody. And God's going to bring half the world to us in about a month to Cody. So we don't need to go anywhere. Here come the Chinese. All right, Buffalo Bill went to them. They're coming to us. So I'm going to send the gospel back to China. I'm going to love people here, and they're going to go, I've never met anybody here as friendly as the folks in Cody. And you can say, well, I don't know why a lot of folks in Cody are nice, but I can tell you why I am. Because the kindness of God has changed my life. Has anybody ever told you about the kindness of God? Here's the kindness of God. He wants nothing for you but to, for you to know that he loves you and he's here. You ever heard those words change somebody's life? So you see why we gather together like this? You see why we have you guys in community groups? It's because we've got to pay attention to the word of God together like this. And to remind ourselves, like, you know, it's kind of like, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a child of the 70s, right? So I, I watch Fred Flintstone. I, I can hear the sound, like, every now and then, Fred kind of goes, like this little, one little scene, and like, and he gets his head right. Okay? You, every now and then, we've just got to get our head right. And so we're together. And by the way, that's why you read the Bible. Okay? And when you read the Bible, you go, what's this mean? Okay? This is not Paul scolding you to go in your prayer closet or to have your quiet time, like, good, I'm done with the spiritual part of my day. Now on to living. It, 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 it's kind of like, imagine, you know, I mean, when, when, when somebody is anorexic or bulimic, they're not a healthy person. The reason that you eat is to let the energy of that eating strengthen you until you take in more food. And that's why the Bible doesn't tell you just to read your Bible, do your quiet time, take your daily bread, and then move on. You don't purge it after that. You meditate on it. You chew on it. You never, you, you let your mind richly dwell on it. And when you richly dwell on the fact that God loved me, God rescued me, God called me, God put me in Cody today, right now, this conversation, God gave me this wife, this child, this sickness, this farm, this drought, this problem, this broken water heater, that I might serve him. And something today, miraculous, is going to happen. And every now and then I'm going to be so bold as to knock on a door. That's exactly what the Spirit of God does, right? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. And, and so, so the Spirit of God in the person of Tony and John Paul knocked on the door. Hey, we're just here to say we're God's people. We love you. And so, so when you come, watch this. Every week you're on Cody. Hey, would you just come? I'd love you to come hang out with God's people with me. I don't, uh, last thing I need is another rabbi, right? If somebody came today because somebody invited them and they, and they ran into that, what Logan did, they're like, whoa. That, that, that ain't my father's church. 
I want, I, he does that still? That sounded like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'll say it sounds like Jesus. And so we're not going to all follow Greg around like a bunch of disciples this week and watch how Greg does ministry and Cody. Because Greg is here to remind you who Jesus is. You've embraced who Jesus is. The Spirit of God's in you. And guess what's about to happen? We're about to turn loose about 150 Jesuses into this community. Now, if that doesn't overwhelm you, and by the way, this is why he says, hey, this is a big deal. Because there's going to be some people that hate me, are unimpressed with me, don't believe in me, are bored with me. Because you're going to misrepresent me. You know what he says to that? He goes, I'm not mad at you. But doggone it. And I'd love, I'd love to help you. I'd love to help you be my man, be my woman. And you're going to need me. You can't do it on your own. It's not going to feel good. You have to take up a cross. You have to deny yourself. And you have to follow me. So good job getting together with the saints today that we can be reminded whose we are, what we're here to do, and the power through which we do it. And so every now and then, this is where you help each other. If you see conduct unbecoming an ambassador of Jesus... Or if you see language that's unbecoming the proclamation of the goodness of God, we gently just say, hey, I get it. You should have seen me last night. But can we talk about that? Because I'd love to help you because I know who you are. I know you want to honor your king. Let me pray for you. But you need to own that. And let's go be God's men and women. We are not a perfect people. We're a forgiven people, and we've been given the perfect provision to do what we need to do today in Cody. Amen? So, Father, here we are. I thank you for what we heard today. That you're alive and that you're still working. I thank you that you use us, and I thank you that you want us to be used and that you've given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. And I pray, Lord, that our conduct of our lives and, 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 the, and the content of our speech would be seasoned with salt, as it were. It would make people thirsty. It would preserve goodness and righteousness on this earth. That's what salt does. It prevents decay, and it brings uh, a, a tastiness and a preservation. And that's exactly what you want us to be. People who create a hunger for something more, a different kind of life, a powerful life, a forgiven life, a hopeful life, a redeemed life. And I pray, Lord, that, that um, you would give us just a hunger to know you more. And as a result of that, spread all throughout Cody today, there'd be a faithfulness that would make people want to know you and would rejoice and sing praises to you, not to Outpost and not to us, not to Tony, not to John Paul, but to your son who redeems lives from the pit. Lord, if there's anybody here today that has never received the provision of Jesus, whose life was given for them, who did not bail out when he wanted to, when it was hard and when it was scary and when there was torture and separation and um, isolation and humiliation, he went to a cross so that a perfect sacrifice could be given to appease your perfect righteousness.
If there's somebody here today that's never understood that God loves them so much that he went to a cross for them, and today they go, okay, Lord, if it's true that you love a sinner like me, that you've made provision for somebody like me, today I accept that provision. I confess that I am a sinner. I need to be driven away from you, except that you have run to me, you've brought me near you. I believe that Jesus is the means through which I can be reconciled to God, that I can no longer be a slave to the Pharaoh of sin. I'm no longer defined by my history and my past, but now I can walk with you, my King, to a place of promise. I pray that today somebody would say, Father, I'm a sinner. I trust in Christ's provision. Would you redeem me? Would you put me with your people? And would you make me an ambassador for Christ? Would you redeem my life from the pit? And Lord, if that person today is here, pray they wouldn't leave before they just turn to another Christian and go, I, I think I just became a Christian. Can you tell me what that means? And that, Lord, all of us would remember that doesn't mean we're not going to be tempted. It just means we no longer have to give in to that temptation. And we have the power of God if we're devoted to you to live our lives in a way that will allow us to go forward in the power of the Word of God. Thank you for Outpost. Thank you there's a place in Cody where people can be reminded of how you want to use them for your glory. Use us now in that way, in Jesus' name.